happy hour and you know what I, that always just trips me up but this is your unapologetic diva dr g and this is cortina peters aka the girlfriend therapist how are you today on this fine wednesday Ooh. um <laughs> you know what and unfortunately one of our members is still at work and she's unable to be with us but louisa uh, you know, the Blue Phoenix Hills, we're definitely thinking about you today and hopefully you make it home safely from work and get a chance to rest. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and do what we're drinking today. So the cocktail for Herspiration Happy Hour today will be a little bit of whiskey. And you have 1.5 ounces of whiskey, 0.5 ounces of lime juice, 0.5 ounces of pomegranate juice, and five. 0.5 ounces of honey. So it's a little strong and sweet. So a little bit of whiskey. Okay. What we're drinking today. And then our mocktail would just be the lime juice, the pomegranate juice, and the honey. Okay. You know, actually, I like both of those. I'm going to be moving more into mocktails um, after this week for a little while. I'm going to take me a break. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, just to detox and me, you was right before we got on air, you was talking about, you know, your healthy diet that you're moving on and yes. whatnot. Um, so change is good. Change is, is definitely good. <laughs> change is definitely good. So we always like change. Uh, so how was your how was your 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 week? I feel like it's been a while since we podcast. It hasn't been. It's been what? Two, two or three just weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's- it's been busy. <laughs> um, again, you know, I don't know. I don't think I had my new glasses the last time I saw you guys because I normally you did like, not. I know you guys never see me in glasses, but I realized that my vision was just not where I needed it to be. So I'm very intentional about wearing my glasses every day. I see much better. Um, so I absolutely love my new frames. They're so cute. They are they purple? Um, they're like a smoke light gray. Okay, from so here I, they look a little bit purple. Yeah, they. Um, maybe it's just I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that it's coming in on my side. Probably, but I'm like you. You know, I'm. I, oh, they, you know, they could look a little like yeah, lavender, like a light purple. Yeah, and I don't know if it's maybe bouncing off your hair or or oh. whatnot. But you know what? So I. I've worn my glasses a few times, and even though they are just reading glasses, I feel like I need them more and more. <laughs> and it's crazy, absolutely crazy. But I'm, I'm glad it's nothing else. Okay, so you got new glasses. What else has been going on with you this week? Uh, uh, I feel like this week has been the longest week in life. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, you know, my dad issues with him having COVID and everything. So still trying to get him on track with all of that. Then my daughter is being sick. So being mom and playing daughter. So they're yeah. pulling me at both ends of the spectrum. Um, but outside of that, just 
working and seeing patients and trying to balance. I wake up at 5.30 every morning. My personal trainer is at my house at 7.30. And yeah, I'm just trying to lose 35 pounds. Okay. Okay. You know, and it, which is, it kind of goes great with our theme today. You know, it's not supposed to be this hard, (laughs) but it's, and that can go any kind of place because our guest, Jennifer Crowley wrote the book, um, ever wish you got hit by a truck. So it's very, it's a very interesting book for so many reasons, because it is really talking about change and the things that, you know, we walk in fear about changing and all of those things. So Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a really great conversation with her. Cause first of all, the book name ever wish you got hit by a truck. (laughs) I'm going to say no. I don't think anything I've ever done has been that hard, but I tell you right now, um, it's been, it's been a really crazy time. I feel like I'm now trying to be intentional about making time for myself and even disconnecting after a certain hour from social media and all of that. Trust me, that's harder to do when you, you know, have to post every day and you're like a micro influencer and you have to post different products and brands and stuff that's given to you. That stuff is, doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, even with, you know, promoting books and interviews and whatnot. And I had a conversation with my PR uh, lead and I told her, I was like, I am going to need to take a break. You know, most people probably don't realize how much you actually need to take a break from media, literally need to take a break from media. That, You've been doing it, a lot of stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I know she's everywhere. (laughs) I know. And I'm still, I'm still in different places, but the the thing about it now is that since school started, I'm doing a lot of virtual readings. And so that's on top of the movement that I'm doing. Plus I'm still working on the new books that four that's going to be released next year. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's never, it's always consistent. So I'm trying to be more intentional about not feeling like I have to be doing a lot of stuff at one time. Yeah. You know, so I'm slowing stuff down and I'm really want to be able to take a break and do almost nothing. So this is going to be a really great conversation because Jennifer Crowley is a life coach and I recently had a life coach as well. So I knew the benefit for me and I didn't think I needed one. Mm. It was a shocker to find out how, how enhanced my life became when I got a life coach. And it's so different because, you know, of course I have a therapy background. You're, you know, you're like, I could, I know I could call you if I need it, but there's just something, (laughs) something enriching that a life coach, if they know their place, I will say that Mm -hmm. if they know their place Mm -hmm. and position, it's something enriching about that. The benefit that I had is my life coach's husband is an actual therapist. So she knew where her boundaries mm-hmm. laid at and how she dealt with, you know, all of her clients. So, you know, shout out to, you know, Coach Vaughn. Coach Vaughn. I wrote about her. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that should be my WCW for today, Coach Vaughn, because like, Lord have mercy, she's a miracle worker when you have to deal with someone with as many complexities as I I have. It's a balance to have, especially because I'm also a life coach as well. And so having patients to understand that once you get to the life coach 
phase is almost like we're your personal cheerleader to help steer you in the right direction. We're not healing anything. We're Mm -hmm. not processing anything. We're just having you and helping you to tap into what's already inside of you. So there's a stark difference between therapy and coaching that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. And the other thing that comes with coaching is they are there for change mm-hmm. and, and not not behavioral change. It's it's changing any change that you want to make. It's it's changing how you mentally think about yourself, feel about yourself. But it's the action that you're going to have to do to overcome those changes. And I don't mean things like therapy. I mean, you know, it's not a mental health change. It's real life changes. I, I would equate it to this. I was horrible about working out. I was just going to say waking up in the morning. That's a change. That's a, that's a change and a challenge. So things that I found challenging, she helped me overcome and face and deal with. And a lot of it was me. Mm-hmm. It was like, all it was, it was all me. Cause I'm, I'm super hard on myself. And I, so I learned something extremely enriching during that. Um, I don't know, four months, yeah. four or five months, I think it was. And she, she held me accountable. So, I mean, one, you pay your money. It's like, I have to do this, but she made me more, more, much more aware of things that bothered me that should not be bothering me. Like for example, I can't stand when the trash can is when the trash is emptied and then the bag is not put back that like, Eats at my soul. <laughs> that that eats at my soul. <laughs> but for what? You know, and she said to me, Well, if it bothers you so much, you do it. Put the damn trash bag in there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So what's getting <laughs> flustered for the whole day? It's just but but those type of things made me look at a lot of stuff that I was doing and the things that I'm processing. I'm OCD, so it's Things that I'm having to get over that I just started doing myself. It's like, forget it. So every now and again, Jay might walk in the house and he might be like, you are you feeling all right? You wash dishes because I don't normally wash dishes. But when I, you know, there there were moments where I had to put away dishes and I'm particular about knives and forks and stuff being placed backwards, upside down, you know, right Mm -hmm. upside down so that when you're not putting stuff away, you're not getting poked or or cut or anything else like that. So mom, what are you talking about? Hmm. (laughs) So I, every now and again, I do dishes, you know, but no dishes is not my thing. Putting away dishes is fine. Washing dishes don't care for. Hi, Miss Pam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, so be you being a life coach, I'm assuming, have you had a life coach before? I know therapists have therapists. So do therapists mm-hmm. also, you know, have life coaches as well? So one thing about, you know, like life coaching, there's so many different types of. So life coach is like the umbrella. So mm-hmm. you can have like a relationship coach, a career coach, a motivational coach. And, and these are all different, a business coach. And so, yes, I personally have had, you know, coaches in the past, but I also went to training to make sure, Mm. because again, my background is in therapy. I did not want to cross the line where with my coaching clients, I treated them like my therapy patients. So I even called them different things like my coaching individuals 
are my clients. My therapy individuals are my patients. So I don't blur them. So mm-hmm. when I'm starting to write notes, um, I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm very personable with everyone who I deal with, but I can, there are no regulations when it comes to life coach. Anybody can be a coach. Anybody can say they're a coach, right? So you have no regulations. There's no licensing board. There's no real certification, you know, and, and one of the, things when I see people saying they're a mental health coach that I really don't like is because when it comes to therapy or a domestic violence coach or, you know, a trauma coach, that's a real gray area because you Mm -hmm. have not yet been trained on how to deal with those things. And then if you are causing harm, nothing can happen to you. Whereas in therapy, you can lose your license. You can get sued, you know, so we are, it's very strict with what you can and what you cannot do. Mm-hmm. What coaching is when I have a coaching client, it's like, if I wanted to, I could go to one of their events because it's a coach, not a patient. Right. So there are stark differences. And I think that people just need to know the balance. And I've gone to therapists. I think I shared with you my yeah, my therapist actually just recently passed away. Like, yeah, you did. Yeah. uh, The day before I found out my dad had COVID and had to be rushed to the hospital. So that was pretty difficult, you know, uh, (laughs) for me, because you never think about losing a therapist. Yes. Or, you know, someone who has helped influence your life and shape shape you, you don't ever really think about it. And it put it into perspective for me as a as a coach and a therapist. Dang, what if something happened to me? And you know the challenges that I have, Pam. Yeah, I uh, know. <laughs> what would that look like? You know what I'm saying? And, and how uh, we just don't know. You know what? I have never... Now that you mention it, I've never thought about it in that context of losing someone that's valuable to you in a sense when it comes to your mental health, your personal or professional development, and someone that you've really built a solid comfort level. Because I think what people fail to realize, and I think what bothers me a lot is when people say, I don't like therapy, I went and I tried and I didn't like it. Instead of saying you did not like therapy, just be honest and say that you didn't feel comfortable with the therapist. Or you weren't ready. Or you weren't ready. And so I I equated, I said this a long time ago in one of my first interviews when I first was publishing, back in 2019, when I had first published my first book. And I had said that I had, I knew that it wasn't that I was not ready. I just didn't like my therapist Mm -hmm. because I sat in there and I just basically told, told her everything just so that, you know, it's like, okay, I'll appease you. But it wasn't about appeasing my therapist. It was about me going in there and, and finding safe space where I didn't feel judged and I felt judged. So I, it wasn't effective for me. Right. It took me away. Right. It's, it's like, literally, if you are a woman and it's hard for you to find a good pair of damn jeans, that's how hard it is sometimes to find a therapist. So seriously, and then you have, the, and then you find those good pair of jeans, like, oh, these are my favorite. And and that's exactly like what happened. And it fit like a glove and, and those you like to wear all the time, you're comfortable in. So then, and then on the flip side, imagine just losing those good pair of jeans. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I could not. It, and now you have to start over trying to find this perfect fit. I think that analogy would work very well in hindsight. Now that you mentioned what it would be like to lose a really, you know, a therapist, especially because um, I and because I've only had one life coach and she was absolutely amazing. I don't know what it would be like to lose a life coach, but I would say that I have a comfortable relationship and a great relationship with my therapist that if I if I did not have her to call, I would probably be like, wait a minute, I have to go and start over because That's now right. somebody else has to learn me. Yes. Yeah, someone else has to learn me, learn my history, learn everything mm-hmm. about me. It's like, oh, how do you just pick up the pieces of someone that you spent years with? Right. You know, another thing is also losing someone like in business. You know, I might not be I'm not talking about you, but I'm just talking about like a business partner. You know, like, you know how you go into business ventures and things with with partners or or what have you, even colleagues or co-workers. We don't really realize the impact that people have in our lives or on our lives until something happens. And it's like, wow, I did not know that I would be as affected. Yes. You know, as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're very right. You're very right. So, you know, this is going to be, you know, such a, a unique conversation because we're dealing, and especially with you being a therapist and a life coach. First of all, how come I didn't know you was a life coach? I don't know. Is that where, the, where the hell was that coming things? from? It's, I don't know. <laughs> like, really? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. So CLC at the end of my name is Certified Life Coach. <laughs> oh, S- Lord. Uh, CSE is Certified Sexuality Educator. So um, ASEC Certified. Um, so, yeah. So, you know what? Speaking of really quick, you know, while we wait for our guests to come on, how is school? Because for people who don't know, Give yourself a little bit of kudos because, you know, first of all, it was so interesting. I think as a, a, a business partner of mine and and sister friend, I tell you, having to write for the very first time a, a, a reference letter, having, you know, to deal with sex and sexuality, <laughs> it's like, oh, what can I, what can I say that's not like a violation of friendship? Uh, but it was so interesting that, you know, so you all, she's getting her doctorate in, what is it? Sex, clinical sexology, clinical sexology. First of all, I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. I'll (laughs) even start with that. I, I mean, to get a whole doctorate in, in clinical sexology, what, what does that even mean? So, okay. So sex therapy already, cause I'm already a sex therapist. It covers everything from surviving rape, traumas, kink and kink-ish fetishes. Um, It covers uh, poly, LGBTQ issues. Um, So when you think about sexuality, I like to break it up and you put sex, you, and ality. Right. So your Mm. sex is your biological sex or your the sex that you feel. So chromosomes and how you feel that you are, even if it doesn't match 
biologically what we see on the outside or the inside. Um, the you is everything that makes you who you are. And then the ality is your reality, your spirituality, your mentality, all of those things go into there. So when people think about sexuality, a lot of times they get it confused with, they say, oh, they're questioning their sexuality. Sexuality mm -hmm. is not your sexual orientation. Sexuality is everything that makes you who you are. Um, and so when we talk about being a clinical sexologist, it encapsulates all of that in addition to relationships. How are you communicating with your partner? We are sexual beings. And so a lot of times what therapists don't do is they don't even ask psychosexual questions to their patients. And so because they're uncomfortable themselves about talking about sex, they just don't ask it when mm -hmm. it could be a huge issue in their patient's life. And if the patient, if you don't bring it up, the patient's not going to bring it up. And that might be a huge part that you're missing as part of the therapeutic piece. Um, asking them how, what are the messages they got around sex growing up? You know, so it's really going deeper to see, okay, well, is that what's hindering you now? Um, not being able to ask what you want. It's about not, I don't want to say pushing the narrative, but it's about helping people to understand when you're engaging sexually is not about performance. It's about pleasure. It doesn't matter how it gets done as long as it's pleasurable. Um, so they don't have to swing from the chandelier, have a 10 inch penis or anything like that. Does it feel good to you? Okay. That's, that's what the end game is not about performance, but about pleasure. Um, and so we talk about everything. Like I have some individuals that, you know, they have to go and, well, we do sensate focus with them. And sometimes I would refer out because I don't do pelvic floor. This is for individuals with, you know, vaginisms or um, pain disorders when it comes to sex. Mm -hmm. And um, we had, we had uh, Dr. Panny. Remember, we had Dr. Panny Nazari on our show, who is a licensed pelvic floor therapist. So she, you know, go back and look at it because she was extremely descriptive <laughs> in, in that episode. Yeah. And so we help with. people with, you know, really being able to confront some of the things that they, they have. Um, some people say people have sex addiction. Guess what? Sex addiction, sex addiction is not in the DSM. So I do not say people have sex addiction because that's not a thing. It's a made up concept. They may have hypersexual um, disorder, you know, because it's hypersexual, because you got to understand a lot of times when people are talking about, um, oh, they're a sex addict. Who's, who says? Why would you say that? Is it because they are more sexually active than you would like for them to be? Is it because your partner has a problem with you watching porn? So mm -hmm. it's not necessarily because everybody wants to throw it around. Oh, my God. They want to watch porn all the time. Okay, if they enjoy it and it's not affecting their life, why would you call it why would you call it an addiction? Yeah. And so like just really helping people with the narrative that society puts out there. And it's also about, you know, teaching and helping people to when religious facts, you know, issues come into the picture because mm -hmm. that's the big hang up that a lot of people um have. And so 
Um, I'm actually working on arranging my dissertation, which is, I'm two months behind, but that's okay. We're not going to say anything about that, but I'm, I'm probably going to do a dissertation project. And so I want to focus on discord in relationships and it's going to address how individuals with kink and kink-ish discord in relationships. So I'm writing a book on to help different people when they are married, dating, coupling, um, in polycues and triads when they're with individuals and the sexual interests are not congruent. So when mm-hmm. you, do, you break up, do you go to therapy? So I am going to need some individuals to, of course, be in my research study um, so I can figure out, like, how do we do that? And so it's going to be a manual to help people in those situations be able to resolve whatever conflict they are having, um, in addition to probably going to therapy. Well, I tell you what, even though our guest is not here um, and our topic was it's not supposed to be this hard. I mean, geez, oh, Pete's. <laughs> Still, I'm I'm in awe, you know, because other than abnormal psychology and abnormal uh, psychosexual addictions that are in the DSM, like necrophilia and some other, you know, abnormalities that come with sex, I did not know at all that sex hypersex, you know, hypersexualism was not in the DSM. Well, sex addiction is not in the DSM. Sex addiction and all these things that people um, make up, Um, but yeah. (laughs) Make up and just call it what it is. Make it up. But, you know, there's a huge following. There's a huge place for it. There's a huge belief system that, yes, sex addiction is real. Because okay. the DSM has what up to five now, or it hasn't made five. it to mm-hmm. okay. So, because it was five even when I left, so they haven't really made a significant update clearly to make what it anything. About, else. Um, a few years ago, the five came out, yeah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was the DSM for TR, and then mm-hmm. from the TR came the five, but you know, and a lot of people, if you're not in the field, you might not know that. You yes, know, because it's not openly talked about. You just hear, oh, my God, Tiger Woods, he has a sex addiction. This person has a sex addiction. Lamar Odom has a sex addiction. Like all these people with these sex addictions. Is it because you want to have more sex than your partner and they label it? Because who's labeling it a sex addiction? That's the question that you have to ask. Oftentimes it's a religious thing um, or, you know, your wife feels uncomfortable with you watching porn because it might it religious purposes it might gross her out she might not understand it and you're not communicating to her what you're getting from it one of the things um that we talk about in my program is how you know most gay male relationships they don't have an issue with porn most of the people that come into therapy that have issues with their partner um Watching porn is heterosexual couples. I wonder if that's because there's an insecurity there that when you see the act being done, um, 
because voyeurism is is not new, <laughs> you know, um, and a lot of people are turned on by that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering if that's an insecurity on the part of the mate because they feel like I can't do that or you want something I mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So that that generates a problem, especially if it's someone that watches it pretty consistently. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of different reasons that people might have some insecurities over someone watching an excessive amount of porn. But then then there's those that even watch porn with their mates. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Even though I do know a lot of people that say, oh, no, I would never watch porn with with my significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, or whatever. So uh, part of that also is the type of porn that you're watching. So if I am only watching redheads and my wife is a brunette, okay, for Mm -hmm. her, yeah, that insecurity may come up. Like, is that what you want? Okay, no, it's what I enjoy watching. I don't want to change you. I'm with you because I love you and I want to be with you. If that's what I wanted, that's what I would go get. You know, and sometimes women also feel as though or men feel like, you know, doing that is a is a form of infidelity. So although it's not an actual person, if I feel like this thing is getting more attention than I'm getting now, I'm jealous of it, even though it it in reality can't do anything. So it's all about having a conversation and really figuring out, okay, well, what is it about the porn? Because the porn is not the issue. The porn is not the issue. It's the conversation. It's the communication. It's how it's our viewpoints about what does porn mean in my relationship? Does it mean I'm not enough? Does it mean that they want something different? Like, what does that mean? And then with therapy, it has you to, all right, let's put this conversation on the table. Yeah. So I I absolutely. (laughs) You can tell you love it. (laughs) You you love the whole topic of of just even sex and sexuality. And, you know, even I, I love the way that you you describe sexuality. In the in the holistic view of it, that's you know because I don't think a lot of people associate uh, sexuality in the sense that you you have that you have put it out in. And there's also um, you have circles of sexuality as well that that are very important when we're talking about the five circles of sexuality and what those are. So it's your sensuality, it's intimacy, it's your identity, it's your behavior, it's your reproductive. Um, and, and sexualization. So these are all like, if you were to look at it, they're all different circles and how they're kind of connected. And so that's really important when we're talking about, wow, what are some of the interplay that these have on one another? And, and what is inside of this particular um, circle of sexuality? So for exa- example, when we're talking about holistic sexuality. So let's take sensuality, for example. This is our psychological pleasure from one's own body or from somebody else's body. So it could be your partner. And so like your skin, I love to talk about skin hunger because some people have a 
huge craving for skin hunger, like me, love to be touched. Okay, because I was going to say, child, I was about to say, explain skin hunger, because I'm like, that That sounds like some old, uh, I don't know, Jeffrey Dahmer type of stuff. Like, no, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it would be like, you know, skin hunger. You know, I, I want to be close, you know, to skin, um, touch. So what sensuality is with the smell, the oral uh, stimuli, the visual stimuli, the sexual response cycle. And that's something that we could talk about later. Like body image, eroticism and pleasure. Remember I said, it's not about the performance. It's about the pleasure that we're getting from it and fantasy. So all of those things are in the circle of your sensuality. And then you have intimacy. You know, this is how you experience a sense of closeness with another human being. And hopefully having that feeling given back to you in return. So this is talking about caring and sharing and loving and liking and vulnerability and disclosure and trust, because that's one of the things when we talk about intimacy, that's what's in that circle. And then you have sexual identity again, like I talked about with the sex part when I broke down the sexuality, the biological sex or gender, your gender identity, your sexual orientation and your gender roles. So you know, what role do you see? What role do you play? And then you have sexual health and reproduction. Well, we're talking about menopause, impotence, sexual dysfunction, uh, abortion, sexually transmitted infections, anatomy and physiology, physiology of your reproductive organs, male and female. And then sexualization. This is how we use sex or sexuality to manipulate and influence and control others. Now, that's not all bad. It may sound bad, like I'm trying to manipulate <laughs> you, but it's not. It's almost like using what you got to get what you want. Um, <laughs> but it can be bad. So this is like flirting. You know, I'm going to flirt for a little bit, you know, get $2 off, yeah. get your drink, buy me something. So, so flirting is a part of sexualization because we're sexualizing to get what we want. Advertising, seduction, withholding sex, um, sexual harassment, rape, and incest. So those are all things. When we talk about all of those things in the circles of sexuality, that's basically everything that we are talking about when we talk about sex therapy. So then let me ask you this. Okay. So because you're getting your doctorate in clinical sexology mm -hmm. for anyone who is watching now or watches later or tunes in later through the, you know, the podcast, at what point do people need to see a clinical sexologist versus a regular therapist? Or are they just interchangeable? <laughs> I think if you, well, go I'm just sex, I'm just asking. if you go to a sex, well, I would say <laughs> one, you got to figure out, you might not know off the bat what your problem is. However, let's just say I, I don't do, um, what is it called? Miscarriage and prenatal therapy. That's not my specialty. I don't do that. But if it's not something super specific like that, I, well, let me say if it is something super specific like that, I would say find a specialist who specializes in that thing. So if you know sex is your issue, I would say go to a sex therapist. But I would also say that if you do go to a sex therapist, more than likely they are able to help you with other issues. 
if you know your issue is sex, if you go to a regular therapist, they might not be well equipped or comfortable with talking to you about these things. They might not be comfortable with talking to you and providing psychoeducation about STIs, sexually transmitted infections, or with polyamory or, you know, triads and kink and fetishes. You know, they might be like, what <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so they might not be comfortable. So I think it's really important to kind of interview, you know, when you have the ability to do those consultations with those therapists, do it, you know, mm -hmm. ask them the questions. And again, you may not even know all the questions to ask, but you will be able to start to feel, oh, yeah, this is the therapist for me. No, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, so I think that's the the important part. If it's sex or I feel like I'm not necessarily, and also, well, let me, I'll go back to that. Like a lot of relationship therapists, they're good with, just because you're a relationship therapist, that doesn't mean that you are maybe a good LGBTQ relationship therapist, mm. right? So yeah. just because it's a relationship, that doesn't mean that it, it crossed. You may want to go to someone who specializes in LGBTQ relationships because then you get into, okay, help me understand. Okay, you're trans male, but you date a man. How does that work? Because a lot of people are like, well, are you gay? Because if you're biologically a woman, but you're a trans male, well, this is where we come into. So trans, right? That's like gender has nothing to do with orientation. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we have to, again, do a lot of psychoeducation for people who may not understand the difference. Because a lot of people just put everybody all in one vat. But that's not how it works. So when I'm doing my, um, what do you call those things? <laughs> assessments. <laughs> when I'm doing my psychosexual assessments or even my intake form, my intake forms and most, I'm going to say 90% of qualified, um, hopefully I, I hope it's a hundred percent of sex therapists, our intake forms are a little bit more inclusive. Well, a lot, mm -hmm. more, right. Because if you were to look at my intake form, it's going to have under orientation, a whole list of things, you know, as gender, a whole list of things that you may not even think about, you know? And so it's, I enjoy what I do. I like it. I like learning. It's uh, it's great. I would have to say that. And I think, I don't know, that started years ago when I got into, when I started doing work in, what year is that? 97, when I had my job at the Comprehensive AIDS Program, I've always mm -hmm. dealt with sexual health issues, communicable diseases. And it just grew from there. Then I got with Planned Parenthood and now I'm educating again on sex. It seemed like everything I went into had to do with <laughs> Or the reproductive, like, the reproductive yeah. system of some, in some way, shape or form. Like what, what's happening? Like what in the world? Cortina, you know? And so I, I just kind of, then I became a sex. And before I was a therapist, 
I was an ASEC certified sexuality educator. And so ASEC, American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, right? So they are like the leading certification for sex therapists, sex educators, and sexuality counselors. Um, So like I said, before I even became a therapist, I was ASEC certified. And so that comes with different trainings and it gives you a little bit of clout when you're able to say, oh, I'm ASEC certified in the field. If you're not in the field, you wouldn't know. So interesting. I feel like uh, I just got a whole education on sex and sexuality just now. (laughs) It's never a bad thing. So then let's talk, let's, let's change gears to coaching then. Because you know, we, we were talking about living fearlessly and, and the purposes purposes of needing a coach. Mm-hmm. In in your experience, you know, when you are coaching, how do you turn it off? How do I turn off? How do you coach? turn because you're always I, I know you, you walk in a clinical mind all the time. So how does someone turn it off? Um they're not too far. I just know my boundary. So that's why anytime, let's say somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, I want a coach. I do my little assessment. I'd be like, no, nah, you need more than a coach. Okay. We, we might want to do a little bit of therapy because this unhealed part of you is going to prevent us from being successful with coaching. Mm. Okay. So when but I, you I know the difference, but you know the difference in that. That's why I explain it to them. Yeah, you know the difference in that. But I'm talking just even just being able to to shut down that with that impulse. Well, yeah, that's the, what I'm going to. So when okay. I identify my, 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 my clients and they are coaching, it's much more relaxed as well. So we have a plan. We have a goal. So if, if it's not on the plan and the goal sheet, I don't worry about it. I don't ask about it. Okay. We have a clip. This is where we want to get you. This is where we're going. All right. This is how we're going to get here. Woo, let's go. Okay. <laughs> what's the barriers preventing you from being able to wake up in the morning? You know, what's the barriers, like you said, preventing you from being able to exercise? What do we need to transition? What do we need to shift? What do we need to move? Very different than in therapy. You know what? I tell you what, you know what I need to be able to exercise? Someone else to do it for me. And I, just, but, I just need the fast into the future. I just need I need someone to pretend they're me and then I can burn the fat off of what somebody else does. Cause it's a it's I did it for like two weeks straight. Did the exercise, it was real good. Um, but I feel like as soon <laughs> one thing that went to the wayside after my coaching session ended, oh, so did the exercise. I know everything else has been consistent, but me and exercise. And now I really feel like I need it. You know what you can get? You can get they have health coaches. Child, I don't have time. I am trying to get away. You can make time for the health coach. Oh, I know. But after and but I'm waiting on the next cycle of life right now. I'm mentally exhausted. I am emotionally exhausted. I don't want to have to. Outside of talking on this podcast, I don't, <laughs> don't want to have to talk to anybody. 
because keep in mind, and so one of the things that I, I love, I know, no doubt, I love being a media journalist. But when you're out there, it's it's always something, you know, or being an author or I'm reading to kids. It's always something. Mm-hmm. So right now, I just want to get to a place where I don't have to do nothing. I don't want to have to think. I just want to enjoy the writing process. I want to be able to shut down, which is another thing. It's, you know, and tailoring with, it doesn't have to be this hard, video making. I envy anybody that can make these videos all the time. That is not, that's, no. I'm a writer. So that's what I do. People who are creative writers all the time. Now, I'm a full-time writer. So, I mean, mm-hmm. some people, they part-time write. I'm a full-time writer. So, for me, getting online, I can write the best caption ever because I'm, I'm always in my feelings about certain things. But you say, hey, you need to make videos. You need to make reels. I, you know, I can't My thing it. is, like, that stuff because... <laughs> Just I'm jealous when I see your I see how she come up with these captions because I can't let me post a picture, but <laughs> how you feel today? Like, you know, my caption be like short and to the point. Like, unless I'm like really in my feelings about something, but that's very few and far in between. I'd be like, I need a captionist. So I can, that's what I even provide for my job because I know I actually write captions for some companies. Well, okay, I do. I write captions. Um, so I write so many captions a month or a week for, you know, different brands. Oh, wow. Because they That's just, cool. yeah. But even, but I'm going to tell you why I started doing that. I had one particular friend, and I'm going to call her ass out, Miss um, Mika. She know who she is. One of my close friends, like my sister, dear, longtime friend, she used to all every time, even to this day now, she posts a picture and she's like, I need you to write a caption. <laughs> and I'm like, really? So when I started offering that as a service, girl, people was like, oh, yeah, can you write the caption for me? Can you write? So I do write branding captions for some um, media brand or some not media brands or some branding. It's actually a part of media. How you engage with your audience is important to your content. It is. So I'm always extremely mindful that because I don't like videos, mm. I effing hate them. My captions be on the one. Because see, reels, reels you don't do a lot. You just go out there and it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Mm. But, but real true engagement comes by the impact that you make people feel. And so for me, I'm intuitive about how I feel and where I've come from. And so I can speak on so many different levels, but because I've written for so many brands, whether it's blogs, articles, uh, captions, uh, business plans, media, I write media articles on people all the time. I am really big on what they call SEO and SEM. Okay, Search search Mm -hmm. engine marketing and search engine optimization. Optimization. It's like, how Mm -hmm. can I be found? What triggers, you know, so my brand stands for itself. So, yeah, I, I hate videos, hate making them because it means I also have to get dressed. And I, I'm always impressed that people are posting every single day in different outfits. And I'm like, you have that much time on your hands. But I will tell you what the difference is. I published 14 books this year. So when you don't see me making reels, it's because this bitch is writing. 
I'm writing on lots of people and I'm writing for myself or I'm working on my brand. So I've I've published 14 books and I have a 15th book coming out this year in around November. Yeah. So I have nothing. I don't have time to be making videos. No dig to anyone else. But this is the life of a full time writer. And I envy anyone that, you know, if they want to make some videos for me, certainly. Come mm-hmm. on. Come on, make me some videos. You're going to capture me right here. This is what I do. (laughs) And then this is what I do. You know, we podcast outside of our regular lives. We actually podcast. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing, though. I I love, I definitely love it. So um, we are going to about wrap up. Um, Any, first of all, so... If anybody has any questions really quick, definitely dive in. I'm, I'm looking at the comment section. Uh, if you have any questions on sex, sexuality, therapy, coaching, now's the time to ask. Uh, even though, you know, you can always reach out to Herspiration Happy Hour at Gmail or hit either one of us in the DMs and we will happily answer questions for you. We're always so grateful. We are on a new platform. We are. Uh, this is a little bit different for us. And so we are actually streaming directly on Facebook and YouTube and our new Twitch account. Yes. (laughs) So we're streaming in three different places right now, which is kind of awesome. And as we grow our brand and uh, to have more and be different and we're in season four now and I and I remember it's like so weird that the very first podcast is coming up that I did. We shot in November 2017. 2017. Mm. Hard to believe. And here we are. It's almost 20. Well, 2021 yeah. is coming up for the first release in December. We released it. Uh, and so I look at where we are at now and we are on almost every major podcast platform from Pandora to Amazon to um, iHeartRadio, Buzzsprout. I mean, everywhere. There's not any place you really can't get us, and especially all of the major platforms. And we are so excited because our numbers have really, since you ladies came on, the numbers, when I revamped the whole thing, literally tripled in the number of downloads. Oh, wow. And so I'm thankful for everyone who reaches out to us mm-hmm. that, to want to be on this. I, I know I did promos all the way out to November. And unfortunately, our um, guests couldn't be here tonight, but it doesn't stop the flow here. See that? Yeah. Um, but the most important thing is that we're always grateful for our listeners and everybody yeah. that constantly tunes in because you Absolutely. make us who we are. You know, so go in and also leave some feedback. Uh, you know, we are always open to better bettering ourselves and bettering this platform. Never know what's in store for season five that will start in January. You never know. Uh-huh. You, you really, you, you don't know with us, <laughs> with us. Uh, but we're always super excited to be here. And we are very intentional with our time and with your time of being here. So we hope you always get great information. Any words? Because you, what is it? What year? This is like a, almost what March or April will be two years. So you, uh, you're at the, you're on the 18 month mark. 
Mm-hmm. So what what do you have? What do you feel now being a part of the brand for this long? I didn't even think about that. Right. <laughs> God. But I have to ask, what's been super? It's just great. You know, I love promoting it. Um, ever since, you know, we had our conversation about it and it was introduced, I was like, oh my God, I absolutely love this, you know, because we touch on so many topics. It's not like we've pegged ourselves and we only talk about mental health. We only talk about parenting. We only talk about, we talk about so many different things. And I think that's what draws people in because it's not just a show that's very specific where there's Mm -hmm. no nuance. And I think that's what really, what people like about it. It's just perspiration happy hour, you know, things that girlfriends talk about, you know, having different viewpoints. And I think that is, that's great. Um, And that's what really helps our platform. And so that's what I absolutely um, enjoy. And before I end, I want to make sure that I clarify something. So like, yes, I was saying that sex addiction is not in the DSM. However, what is in the DSM is compulsive sexual behavior, compulsive sexual behavior. So that is in the DSM. And it is also known as hypersexuality disorder. So, or hypersexuality. So I just, it's sometimes it's called different things, but if you're looking in the DSM, compulsive sexual uh, behavior. So I just, I just, want to make sure I make that clarification because sometimes it can be very confusing and they're like, well, she said there's no such thing as sex addiction. And what is she saying? What is she not saying? So I just want to. Well, honey, you were so thorough. First of all, nobody can't even come for me for you at all. <laughs> they can't even come because, yeah, you know, look, the clap back will be major. I'm just saying <laughs> the clap back will be major on different parts because, you know, one of the things that I'm and I even said, me and you have this conversation all the time. And, you know, so then we'll wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Something I would never do. I love, I'm an advocate. Anyone who knows me <laughs> knows I'm a huge advocate for for therapy and mental health. So I speak on it all the time. I can speak on suicide. I can speak on a lot of things, but I also have a background in it. So yes, will I ever treat people again? Fox, no, no. Not it's not a personal. It's a personal thing. It's, it really is for me. I would make. Um, I'm a great mentor. Um, I'd probably even make a really great coach. I just. I don't think I like people that much. Mm. And and I'm going to tell you, and it's not in a negative way. I literally know the worst half of therapy when I started. And I'm and I'm talking. I started when it was very taboo, extremely taboo. I'd basically be broke back then if that was my field. And the army burned me out. Hmm. Talking to soldiers who were mandated to to come to my classes and get anger management and stress management and, and all, they burned me out. Then they lie because they don't want to see real therapists. Right. So I quickly changed my trajectory of you know, um, getting, I was getting my master's in clinical master, uh, clinical certificate or certification and master's in marriage and family therapy. I don't like families because husband and wife, you have to want therapy. So now we're at a place where people have really had to deal with themselves. So therapy is really 
pushed. It wasn't pushed over 10 years ago. And I'm telling you, I left back in, tell you how I'm I'm about to date myself a little age, age myself a little bit. I left back in 2005. Okay. That's how long ago it was, but it never leaves you. I'm always very in tune with what's going on because one, I'm a professor. I, I, you know, I still deal with organizational behavior, Mm -hmm. but from a business standpoint. So it keeps you in the know. So I've thought about here. I thought about getting, uh, going back to school and doing industrial organizational psychology because psychology has always been my love, but I don't have to deal with one-on-one people that we have to find that good fit because Mm -hmm. just therapists also need to know when they aren't serving their clients well or their patients well. Mm -hmm. And some don't because, and and I've been there where I just feel like I'm your, I'm, I'm a meal ticket for you. And that's a terrible place to be in. So I will leave with saying that, you know, I I'm a firm believer in therapy. I, I think that you should treat your mental health as well as you do your physical health means mm-hmm. even if you don't feel like there's anything wrong, there's nothing wrong with just saying, Hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Let me go and seek a therapist. Yeah. And that's what I do. I, I really can't say that there's anything like, Oh, oh God. I'm, 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 but for me, I carry a lot on my plate and it helps me find balance mentally in a way that a coach cannot. A coach will help me overcome like things that I want to achieve. But when it comes to my mental health, my my therapist helps me deal with how I view taking care of the stress, the depression, um, other things that have an opportunity to slide in when you're an entrepreneur and a full-time entrepreneur, or you just carry a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be very clear that Mental health is so important and I take time out for myself all the time and I find value in every therapist in coaches and even in friendships because, you know, Cortina and I can just we can chit chat back and forth when things are not so major that I can just quickly bounce things off. Mm -hmm. But but you have to be in a in a transparent space. You always have to be in a transparent space, whether it's with a friend and friends are often um, subjective. So you need that other person that is going to tell you exactly what you need to hear here right. to feel better. Right. The last and and then I will end with this. There is something called functional depressing depression. Oh, yeah. People who feel the need to replace work with dealing with themselves. You need some, you need to go find you a good therapist. <laughs> Yeah, it's avoidance. I don't want to deal with life's terms, so I'm just going to work to make myself busy because it's a way for me to escape. Exactly. So, you know, find your find value in investing in yourself and and, in every way that you can. Cortina, where can everyone connect with you at? Everyone can connect with me at The Girlfriend Therapist. I am your neighborhood resident girlfriend who just so happens to be a therapist. So you can find me on all social media platforms at The Girlfriend Therapist. And you can find me at I am Dr. P. Gurley, I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y, on all platforms. The Herspiration brand you can find on, um, of course, you're here on Facebook watching. It's uh, Herspiration Happy Hour. On Instagram, it's changed to D-A-W Entertainment because it does now fall under Dope Ass Woman Entertainment. 
because we do have some extremely dope ass women here on our platform we do. and you get to chat with us. So, you know, we are always super appreciative that you come out and that you join us. So, well, the honorary drink for tonight is sex on the beach. <laughs> I know we had a little bit of whiskey was the, the, the official drink, but the honorary drink is sex on the beach. Well, we're gonna we're gonna sip some sex on the beach as we sit here and 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 sip.